0: Thank you for joining us today for TEDCo Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCo CEO, Troy LaMail Stovall in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Laura Gamble, Regional President of Greater Maryland at PNC. Listen now to learn more about Laura and the role she plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem.
1: Hello, my friends. Hello, my friends. My name is Troy LaMelle Stovall. I am bebopping to some, some great music here because this is a very, very special Techco Talks. And I couldn't be more excited to have a, a, a dear friend of, of Maryland, uh and, and just a great friend of tedco laura gamble who is the regional uh, manager uh, for greater maryland laura thank you thank you thank you for being part of our 25th taping of tedco talks
2: thank you troy i'm honored to be the 25th saving the best not for last but the 25th.
1: <laughs> there you go that's exactly right that's exactly right well again i can't uh, thank you enough for being on today laura you have uh just an impressive impressive career uh uh, a woman in banking and financial services who's been who's been a senior leader, not just at one bank but at two banks, which we'll, we'll, we'll learn about here. Um, but let's start off with a little fun before we get into to that. So let's 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 uh, dig into your past a little bit, Laura, if you don't mind. And let me let let me ask three questions real quick. Let's find out uh, Laura's date at the prom and what they're now doing.
2: Well. I I will I have to preface this by the fact that my school did not have prom. Ah, Our big event was homecoming. Okay. And my senior homecoming date, should I say his name or not? I don't know. Uh, uh, know, I'm not his name was Jeff. Uh, Okay, that's good enough. (laughs) uh, Yep. And uh, as far as I know, Jeff is now living in Pittsburgh. Ah, Where he was originally from. And I'm on Facebook with Jeff.
1: Um, (laughs) Hello, Jeff.
2: That's that's about it, right? So that's 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 the big news.
1: Good, good, good. So next one, your first concert.
2: Well, I happen to be the youngest uh of of the family, and um my I have an older sister and I have a foster sister, and Ah. my my concert experience all really was being dragged along to concerts <laughs> that they went to uh, and had an extra ticket. So the, the one I remember as being my first was actually the Beach Boys That's in the Charlotte not Coliseum.
1: Not bad. Not bad at all. That's not bad.
2: And lastly, your first car. Oh, my word. My <laughs> first car was a 19... 19- 77 or 78 Buick Century.
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: this two door, and if it, you know, the door fell back on your leg, it would nearly chop it off because <laughs> it was so heavy. And you yep. could practically sleep on the hood it was so long.
1: Yeah, those, that's when they made cars out of steel. That's when they, they, they you get into an accident, you had to really hit something to have a real accident in <laughs> <and> those things.
2: <laughs> it was a tank for sure. Exactly,
1: Exactly. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for indulging me. I appreciate that. So, you know, as I started, Laura, we said, you know, you are, you're the, the leaders here and in, in, uh, the lead PNC Bank for, for Greater Maryland. And thank you for that. And you, you actually had a career at Bank of America as well and leading, uh, being leader. will not you give our audience and particularly um, talk to a young woman who's out there thinking about a career in financial services uh, and how you've had to come up through that and, and, and how you've managed the crossroads and the forks in the roads along your journey.
2: Well, I, I've, had a little practice doing this of late as I have let Troy know we have summer interns uh that come into the bank every year and and I've spoken with several groups of interns in the past couple weeks as well as some of our early career women we have we have special groups of early career professionals at PNC as part of our employee business resource group and we also have uh line of business early career groups as well, our asset management group and our corporate institutional banking group. And so they, they have asked me similar questions. Um, like those folks, I came in through banking through uh, what we now call a development program. It was a manager's training program uh, mm-hmm. back in the day, but it's similar to the programs we currently run. And you know, it gives you an opportunity to learn banking. And I think that is one of the great things about banking is we don't ask you to have a specific degree. Um, we we mm. love liberal arts grads. As long as you've had some accounting, uh, we really believe that we can teach you everything else. So um, the, the development programs are an opportunity to do that. And that's how I came up um, after I actually was a teller in the summer in college. So I got a little hands-on experience early on as a teller. The toughest job in the bank, hands down. I tell people, you know, uh, the pressure of having to balance in those days uh, with all your coworkers looking on, going, "Are we going to be here late because she can't balance her drawer?" <laughs> it's a, it's a high-stakes, high-pressure environment, uh, and the and the teller machine took up half your little cubicle because oh, it was God. a gigantic <laughs> adding machine at the time. Uh, very different environment now, but. Uh, right. But uh, I came into it with a little bit of a knowledge of banking, but um, had an opportunity to learn obviously a lot more uh, through the, the the training program, which lasted a couple of years. And I ultimately, when I graduated from that program, ended up in corporate banking. Okay. And wh- what I and then I've you know I've done a lot of different things. One of the other great aspects of working for um, a, a large financial services company is there was a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different things. And, you know, it's interesting, both of the organizations I've worked for um, have been acquisitive. And that in it itself has also provided a lot of opportunity uh, to do things and to, to, uh, to get involved in transition teams and things like that. And um, so I really had, uh, had terrific opportunities to move from line of business to line of business over the years, um, I worked on a transition early on after having been a corporate banker for about seven years, and then that led me into treasury management, where mm-hmm. I ended up uh, having a very large role in uh, in treasury management and managing a P&L of about 900 million. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to move over into the mass affluent side and. Uh, consumer banking with brokerage. And then I went to wealth management. I became a regional president. I mean, I've just had so many different opportunities. And I, I think that banking is a career that's pretty unique uh, in that ability to provide you know, lots of opportunities for growth and learning within the same company. Um, I, think- I don't know that there's that many that you can do that in.
1: No, no, I hear you, and I appreciate that that telling us that. But as I I hear you tell us that, you didn't use this word, but what I hear when you talk about the different opportunities you were able to pursue, of uh, the word that that I also heard you didn't say was the risk. You were you you took on some risks. You took on some bets. You you didn't say this again. You, you bet on yourself and you bet on others betting on yourself. Is that is that a fair summary?
2: Yeah, I actually, I would say yeah that each of these moves you know provide were a little. Risky in some ways, they were going to a new uh, a new opportunity place where I may not have uh, had all the knowledge that I needed to have, and I had to get it pretty quickly. I, I think the biggest leap was leaping from corporate banking onto the the transition team during an acquisition, um, because you know there are every organization has um, views on you know, what's the job. And yeah. in those days, corporate banking was the pinnacle. Everybody wanted <laughs> to be a corporate banker and people were like, are you crazy? Why are you leaving corporate banking? But frankly, I'd been there seven years and I felt like I had learned all that I could learn and I was interested for a new challenge. And so I did take, take a leap and, uh, and, you know, it was, it was a terrific leap. It, it took my learning curve, you know, to there from there. And it uh, gave me a lot of opportunities and to grow with, you know, the business that uh, that I joined. And, um, and I would say that after that, I, I did get a bit of a reputation as someone who could move into a new area, especially one that may be underperforming, mm-hmm. and bring some skills to that to be able uh, to get that unit performing more optimally, and um, and it was great because I never have been bored. I told I told the interns <laughs> that uh, you know in 35 years uh, I can't remember ever being bored.
1: That's that is a great testament to both of the organizations that you are, you've been a part of, are part of, and were part of. Um, and again, I because I think it's important for people to hear that this notion of of you use the word learning curve, being able to, to, to be able to challenge oneself and not let oneself get bored, but that you have to purposely put yourself on a different learning curve, which means you're going to get challenged. It means you're not going to be the one that's going to know everything when you walk into that door, that, that, that first, day one of that new opportunity.
2: Oh, yeah. It can definitely be uncomfortable, right? You, you're, mm-hmm. you go from having sort of mastered the one business you were in or the job you were in to one where you, you may know very little about it. Um, but it's an opportunity for, for learning and for growth. And, you know, I think that to me is um, what's made my career so much fun. Uh, that and I have met just amazing people all the way around, both internally within my organizations and externally with my, with my clients. I've just had the opportunity uh, to, to meet and build relationships with really fascinating people. Um and because it's a relationship business when it absolutely
1: I was, was gonna say it's a relationship business, but there's and this is kind of leads into the, the logic. You know, there's an entrepreneurship, you know, people think of entrepreneurship as you know starting something new and you know and being the next Google, but your career, the way you describe your career, is very entrepreneurial, right? And 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 so I guess that leads me to talk so you can talk a little bit about PNC. I think people view banks as these oh, you know, stodgy institutions, you know, it's you know, and just a place I go put my money, or a place I get you know money for my for my mortgage. But you know, there's obviously so much more. So I guess I, if you could focus, tell us a little bit about PNC that folks may not know, but actually, and then also link it to the role that it plays in the entrepreneurial community here in Maryland.
2: Well, you know, it's an interesting uh, aspect of our business that you know we really have become more of a technologically based business over the 35 years that I've been in banking, and that's something that when I tell the folks in our internship program or development team that they might not always realize is that, you know, banks, if you want to survive, you have to invest in technology, and we spend about $2 billion a year in technology, and there's actually some analysts that benchmark uh, banking institutions by how much they do spend Mm -hmm. relative to their their revenues and their assets as to whether or not they're going to be able to survive. Um, because obviously, that's how our clients want to do business with us. And, you know, any sort of product or service we bring up really has to have a technological aspect to it. Um, so I think it's, it's a different business than what people, in, you know, think about, although the relationship. Part of it is still there. Um, I still tell people, you know, making loans is just as much of an art as it is a science. <laughs> and that, you know, that people, who, part, get, people you know,
1: who get denied probably don't don't think that. But <laughs>
2: yeah, but it did, but there are definitely lots of decision points, and they're not all done by you know an automated intelligence program. You know, there is there's input by people and decisions. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think the other aspect of my career that I think's been Entrepreneurial is helping my customers' businesses grow and really enjoying you know being a part of their journey through our interactions and being their banker and uh, and that you know in terms of you know helping you know maybe not as much the you know true startup community because banks really don't um, we don't do a ton of investment in startup and we are cash flow sure. lenders, which means you you have to have demonstrated the fact that you have cash flow to get a loan from us. But, but I do think in terms of the general economy, and especially with small business lending and, and small business services, um, you know, that, that is one of the most satisfying aspects of what we do because it's so much fun to build a relationship with a business and watch it grow well, and contribute yep. and grow the workforce and provide jobs. Um, I think that's really, really satisfying.
1: That's, that's, that is great to hear. And yeah, and I get uh, obviously, you know, you're at the, at the, at the stage maybe that, that we are at, but you clearly do play a stage as they get old, as they as they mature and they, they generate the, that gap and they, and they think about their capital stack, as I like to call their capital stack mm-hmm. differently. And they're thinking about, you know, how much debt to, you know, and versus equity versus other forms of capital uh, and the role that PNC helps in, in helping them uh, push that growth uh, even higher. Mm-hmm.
2: And and we do invest in uh, community development financial institutions locally, Mm -hmm. many of whom do small business lending, especially in, um, you know, minority communities. And uh, I think that, you know, for us, that's a way to help businesses that can't yet access a cash flow lender necessarily, or those that need the kind of technical assistance that, you know, we can't even provide. So, I, I do think it, it's uh, you know there's a uh, continuum. Continuum, yep. And we we do try to invest on that front end.
1: That's outstanding. So look, we're sitting here in in June of 2021. Uh, I think we all are hoping and praying that you know we're coming to the end of this this pandemic. But you know, I'm asked, I'll ask you to look back again, but not all the way back to your prom again. <laughs> back to the back, uh, to you know, you know, you, you started. 2020, I'm sure you have plans. I'm sure you have plans for, for Maryland and for the bank and, and for yourself. And so I guess my question is, um, what are those plans that you started in January, 2020? What if any of those plans you actually got to see happen? That's quite that's part, that's part of the question, but, uh, but I, I want to, I, I'm to ask a question differently. What have you come out of this and saying, you know what, I learned something. What did you say, I, I learned this? And I've got to take this away from this last year and a half of this pandemic, both both personally and and, and for the bank.
2: Well, yeah, I I, I'm not sure that any of the plans that I may have made in (laughs) January 2020 actually came to fruition. You know, um, it it was a real challenge, obviously. You know, we we are deemed essential. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have people who are on the front lines who literally were in you know, dealing with the public throughout the entire pandemic. Mm-hmm. So obviously the first thing that came to mind was, you know, how do we keep everybody safe?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and we went through you know, multiple iterations of that to be able to serve our customers, but also to keep people safe was, was the first big challenge. And you know, I, I think about all the challenges that I've, I've, I've been through. Unfortunately, um, a lot of uh, interesting challenges um, being here in the Mid-Atlantic uh, and and you know having people on the front lines, uh, I've dealt with anthrax. I've dealt with the sniper. Wow. Um, wow. I've you know I, I I had people in the World Trade Center um, during 9/11. Mm. We mm. had people in the Pentagon. We actually had a branch in the Pentagon. It didn't report mm. up to me, but. Um, you know, so we've dealt with a lot of crises over the years, but this one is really was very, very different. You know, obviously it was a health crisis and it was ongoing. And, uh, you know, I think the thing I learned the most, at least from a business perspective, was really about communication and how, you know, how to communicate how often you had to communicate and how many different modes you had to use to communicate, yes, to reach yes, everybody. Yes. Um, that's the thing that really sticks out in, in my mind. And I, and I actually, I started a weekly email message to everyone in greater Maryland that I wasn't doing before on top of, we have a lot of other communication mm-hmm. methods. We obviously have a webpage, you know, uh, we, have, um, we have calls, we, you know, we have a lot of different things but, um, but I think the, the one thing I started was a, a, weekly, a weekly message to everyone. And I've kept that up. And I think I'm going to continue to do that because yep. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from people in terms of how much they appreciate it. So um, but and personally, I would just say the thing that has really impressed me is, you know, how how m- much or how resilient people are and. I, I've been so impressed by so many people around me. I, I've been very impressed by my own kids who, whose plans have my son uh, graduated in May of last year at home, you know, with, yep. you know missing the last half of the senior semester. And, yep. and, you know, and all the plans the class of 2020 had pretty much evaporated. And, yep. uh, but, they, but they've really, you know, retooled, changed course and uh and kept going and and i've been very very impressed by that
1: well a lot of places i, I want to start i want to go to that point because i can uh, as a parent myself my daughter just finished high school a couple of weeks ago and so you know i i i, I comment my wife and i have, have raised a little girly a little princess and i know that i have to admit that but she, you know she had all these plans for her senior year and they just went away but to see how she engaged in it and, and just was committed to it and, and stuck to it. And, and, you know, my wife and I are sitting there wringing our hands over it. And, and they just mm. like you said, they just they just marched on and, and, and they did what they had to do.
2: And I think that's something to be really proud of our young people yeah. for. You know, I mean, it's been a really difficult year for them uh, as well as everybody else. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think we're all a lot more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. And we're all really, I mean, I can speak as someone who's incredibly fortunate, right? I continued to work through the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so many Marylanders, you know, were not working and, and so many small businesses really faced, you know, huge challenges. And, and yet many of them survived it and are, you know, back at it and, uh, and continuing to, to move ahead.
1: Anything you want on that point? I know PNC had a couple of things that they were doing to help small, some of these small businesses uh, survive and, and thrive and, and, and come out of this. Anything you want to talk about that you guys are doing uh, around that?
2: Well, we, you know, obviously one of the biggest things we were doing was the PPP, PPP. loan, and, <laughs> and I have to tell you, um, I really appreciate the, uh, the op-ed that Anurban Basu uh, put in the sun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, about bankers because I don't know if people realized. I mean, it was a terrible time for everybody. I, I, the businesses I talked to, I mean, they were very scared. They they really could see their business just you know evaporating and you know really challenging circumstances. But you know the the working with them to get the the, the loans in and approved by the SBA. Um, a lot of our folks were literally working. All day and all night. We had three shifts of people oh, wow. working, wow. Wow. and I, it's not often you can say that in a in a service business like ours. And um, so it was really a, a huge effort on on everyone's behalf. Um, but it was really satisfying to help those customers, you know, get that money, and it and it was a lifeline for so many. Um, the other things that we we've, we've run a ton of programs. I know everybody's Zoom fatigued to death, but we have run <laughs> A lot of programs around at, for small businesses, you know sort of reevaluating your business plan, reevaluating your marketing. Uh, what do you have to do to shift? you know, going online? what you know we had a lot of informational programs on a lot of various topics. Uh, we partner uh, with uh, an organization called the Acceleration Project. It's mm-hmm. based in New York, but they are uh, involved in a lot a lot of places, and they they consult to small women-owned and minority-owned businesses, and they helped us put on a lot of those programs. Um, we, you know, obviously have also continued to invest in the CDFIs and, and uh, small business technical assistance programs uh, for for our community as well. And, it's, uh, and then, you know, we announced also in the midst, of, well, not only did we uh, uh, have an acquisition in the midst of the uh, yes, pandemic, <laughs> but we also uh, announced uh, one billion dollars to end systemic racism in our communities, and a big portion of that goes around is around financial empowerment and entrepreneurship. So, and that's through grants and lending and investments uh, in in financial in CDFIs and other uh, financial institutions to help. Uh, our communities, and, and we're very close we 've been working hard with a couple of partners, and we'll be announcing the, our, uh, where our grant money in Maryland is going to go. Uh, hopefully within the next month we 'll be able to we'll be able to tell people about that.
1: Good. And yeah, you know, I, I got to meet you too. I'm, a, I'm coming from Richard Bynum, who's helping to lead that at, at the corporate level. And so let's actually, that's a, that's a probably, well, before we get, I want to actually go back, you talked about the communications, because you're obviously a much larger, your state, you know, most of the state of, of Maryland. And I'm sure, you know, yes, a lot of people had to come in, but still some people have to work at home. And so that that feeling of isolation, I'm sure your, your, your frequent communications help and I guess I'd like you to talk about how you make sure that the, the connective, the connective tissue of PNC stayed uh, as people were working from their homes.
2: Oh, I, Troy, that's a really good question, because it really goes to one of the things that we think differentiates us, which is our corporate culture and how we interact together. And, you know, the question is, can you keep that going over, you know, over a long period of time when everyone is remote and remote? You know, I think communication, you know, the various modes of communication. We also ran a lot of uh, programs through our employee business resource groups that gave people, you know, opportunities to connect with each other um, mm-hmm. and hear speakers. And um, we had one of our colleagues started a group for single parents. Oh, wow. So they could get together and talk and talk about the challenges of homeschooling. <laughs> and, uh, and other challenges, you know, during the pandemic. So we, we, we really try to give people as many opportunities to connect with their colleagues, um, as well as just, you know, straight communication about things that they could do. We give mental health resources Yes. in addition to just general health resources. Anything COVID related, uh, our employees did not have to pay for testing, vaccine, any of that. It all, mm-hmm. it, you know, we, we covered all that.
1: You know, I think, to your point, I mean, um, I, I I actually tell my friends who had little kids uh, going through this. I it's one thing to have a teenager going through this. They, they're self-sufficient. I, I half the time I didn't see our son. but it's it's another thing to have you know, a kindergarten, a first grader having them around the house all day. And I, I tell folks that you know, even though we've gone to this, you know this environment, I feel like uh, even though there's this distance, there's a pro- closest, I got in people's homes, right? I was talking to someone just the other day, and their kid is climbing on the back of their shoulder, and <laughs> the dog is coming through, or you know, my friend Tammy here, the cat walks across the screen. There's there's a sense of a, of people that we got to see that we normally wouldn't get to see, and I think that blurring of the line of of prof- of our professional lives and our personal lives got blended, and I think we got a sense of people that we wouldn't normally get to see. You, you have a, a similar sense.
2: I, I absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, we had to cut each other a lot of slack, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people were, I, I have, you know, uh, associates who, you know, were two working parents at home trying to also homeschool kids. And <laughs> they were just really on their, you know, on their last nerve. and <laughs> um, And we just had to be really empathetic and understand what people were going through. And I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I was on a call and a Zoom call and had to disappear because the UPS man's ringing the front door, you know, (laughs) you know, everybody was subject to that. and, And I do think, you know, it was one of the things we laugh about is how early on when we were all we thought we were only going home for a couple of weeks yeah. you know people are still sitting there in their suits and their outfits and <laughs> over the course of the year the dress code really shifted <laughs> and uh, and you know we really would appreciate that and people you know first just stop going on video and then I'd say you know it's okay you know I, I just come on come you know I'd love to talk to you face to face and one of my one of my coworkers said I have house hair. And I'm like,
1: <laughs> that's good.
2: I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I'm sure I can deal with it. Let's go on video, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I think everyone, you know, everyone had to be really empathetic to what uh, people had going on. And uh, I hope that, to your point, that is a little, make the connective tissue a little tighter. Absolutely. Um, but we do believe that we are an in-person company. I will tell oh, yeah. you from the get go, our CEO is saying, oh, we're going to go back in um, <laughs> because we think that's how people learn, you know, that they learn from being with each other, from watching you know, people interact with their customers and, and being able to ask questions. So we do think it's a better environment, especially for our early, early career just... folks to learn. Yeah.
1: Yeah. no I I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more. So in a, little, in a little time we have left you mentioned the billion dollars that that PNC is 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 committed. So let's talk about the, its commitment to DEI. I mean so there's clearly been you putting the money where your mouth is. So talk a little bit about as much as you can about you know the the efforts and and frankly just why this is important and and what what PNC is hoping to get out of this effort.
2: Well, we we've really it is part it's part of our values actually. Mm-hmm. Um being inclusive is Part of our core values, we state, and we have also a set of leadership standards, and being an inclusive leader is something that we actually judge our leadership on. And so it's important in so many ways. I mean, obviously, as the community, as being in the community, we need to be of the community. We need to look like the community that we are part of. Um, and we, that means not just our employees, but our customers too, right? So we we look at DEI in and, and sort of three categories. We call it workforce, obviously. The workforce needs to represent the community. Workplace, which is celebrating diversity and celebrating our differences in the workplace. So we run a lot of great programs celebrating various heritages we just mm-hmm. that came out of um, Asian-American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We've had, yep. We have had African-American Heritage Month earlier this year. We'll mm-hmm. have Hispanic um, later in the year. So we do a lot just to celebrate the fact that we have folks with all different backgrounds. Um, so that's work, that's work of place. And then marketplace, which is obviously we want our customers to look like us and be comfortable. Um, a lot of what, when we talk about inclusivity, I describe to our, our team is people being comfortable. I want customers to look inside our branches and see people that look like them and be comfortable coming in and having a financial conversation with us. I want the same of our workforce. I want uh, you know, new people to come in or you know applicants to come in and see us and say, I'm comfortable here. Um, so that's a lot of inclusivity. Um, you know, equity, obviously, we've been doing a lot of work around equity and making sure that we're walking the talk and looking at people's career paths and the representation mm-hmm. in various jobs and saying, OK, why isn't there better representation of, you know, African-Americans in this particular role? What do we need to do about it? And um, it, we've just had so many things that um, we've been working on for quite some time, but so it's not new to us, but we always recognize it's a journey. And we, you know, we have had very open dialogue and conversation, we call them courageous conversations about the experiences of our African-American colleagues in both the workplace and outside, and what can we do as allies to, you know, to make that situation better. Um, So we're, we're, we're proceeding along a journey.
1: Well, a lot there I could dig into. I know we don't have time, but I mean, I, what I what's a lot, everything I love there. But the notion that making people feel comfortable, because you know, beyond anybody, not all communities feel comfortable dealing with a bank or a financial institution having their money. And I think one of the one of my observations from COVID has been you know, we now can order everything, you know, we, we basically be becoming a cashless economy in, in, in many mm-hmm. ways. And, and, you know, better than I do this, there's a ton of people who are who are already disenfranchised, and they're going to become right. even more disenfranchised, because they're not part of because they're not bankable they, for, for for any variety of reasons. And so your your commentary of me being comfortable really strikes at me as something that to get at that those people who are who are not comfortable with banking.
2: Yeah, and and talking about the the folks who have been disenfranchised from banking, one of the things that we've done this year to try to make sure that we keep people in the system and can bring people back is introduce a product called low cash mode. And what low cash mode does is it gives people more control over um, returning checks or, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping them out of an overdraft position. It mm-hmm. extends the amount of time they need to decision it. It allows them to prioritize, right. you know, what which what do you pay? What do you not pay? The example we always use is, okay, my mortgage is coming due. I'm going to pay that. I don't necessarily need to pay my brother-in-law. He can wait. And, um, mm-hmm. and you can take action on that. And, mm-hmm. and we've really cut and waived a lot of fees that people would have, you know, gotten prior to this around overdraft. So we think that's one of the reasons, you know, people have been driven out of the banking system and we want to make this more, you know, put it back in the control of the account holder, not in the
1: outstanding. Control of the Bravo, And then, and then, you know, the conversational piece is one that I I, I agree with you on. I think um, I've said that at a couple other TEDCo talks. That I'm hoping that if nothing else out of this, because I've done this with my my other white friends, is, is that we can sit and have the honest conversation where, where the white guy can have the conversation and, and really be emotionally honest about you know what he feels. And the black person can be emotionally honest about and no one get offended that because it's not about what Laura did or what somebody did. It's not about trying to place blame. It's just about allowing me to express things that I've been through and and allow those who feel like that they're being, you know, being picked on. Like a lot of white males that can feel like they're being picked on, let them express themselves, too. I think sometimes we forget that they have a voice in this, too.
2: No, and I totally agree with you. I mean we, we call them courageous conversations because mm-hmm. really it takes courage on both sides right yep. and uh, I think um, i've witnessed a lot of people's understanding really take it's going to new levels that yeah. you know and and that just I think having that honest conversation with a coworker that they were perhaps afraid to ask before Mm -hmm. Um, it has opened up new levels of communication. And we've also taken it to a couple other levels. We had a panel of customers talk to um, talk to our group about what it was like, you know, running a black business during COVID and what what Mm -hmm. you know, what did they learn, you know, um, and about the inequities. And, you know, what do we need to do to prevent that from happening? You know, then in, if God forbid, should we go through something like that? again?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I can't tell you this is fun. We could have kept on going. I, this is <laughs> this is the subject. But I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being our 25th guest on on Tedco Talks. Thank you for all you do for me. We didn't even talk about, I mean, for folks that don't know, Laura is not only the leader here at the bank, but she's been a leader uh, in, with a number of organizations across the state and sits on a number of boards across the state in support of Maryland's efforts. And so thank you for your service to Maryland overall. I really appreciate that.
2: Well, thank you, Troy. And it's been a pleasure and I'm honored to be number 25. <laughs> and uh, and I'm I'm sorry that I can't be there to dance with you in person. There then- you go. <laughs> If you did see me dance, you'd probably know why I didn't go to prom. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> there we go.
1: Laura, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to the, all 25 of these. We we, we got we get a ton of commentary on these. We really appreciate that. Continue to, to support what we do. So again, this is Troy Lamel Stovall, CEO and Executive Director of TEDCO. Thank you all. See you next time.
0: Thanks again for listening. And a special thank you to our guest. Laura Gamble for joining in today's discussion. For more information on TechCo and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, consider sharing and subscribing to TechCo Talks.